I'm Aaron Weintraub, and this is Inside Kurdistan. So this week, I got to go visit the American University of Kurdistan in Dohuk, uh, and I was hosted by the university's president, Dr. Randall Rhodes, and we got to sit down and do a remote interview about his own background, uh, the university's current plans and overall mission. Uh, and this is one of those interviews where I didn't have a lot of information going in. Uh, it was my first time visiting the campus, which is beautiful, uh, and my first time speaking with Dr. Rhodes. But I will say uh, I'm interested in the role that universities like this play uh, because Kurdistan's newest generation is trying to leave. And the best way to get to another country with some amount of insurance is through higher education. And so places like AUK have a double role to fill. They serve as an institute for learning and they serve as as they grow in influence and accreditation, which we talked about. They serve as a bridge for younger people uh, to go to another country, another culture, which can affect the... Fr- which can affect the future of the country that they grew up in negatively. Uh, And we talk about some of that as well. So with all that said, here's my conversation with Dr. Rhodes. Dr. Rhodes, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's my pleasure to join you. So uh, my first question was about uh, sort of your role here as president at AUK. And uh, you you commented that uh, you don't see it as much of a diplomat uh, status as much as a a managerial status. Uh, My thought when I think of someone at a university like this is very much a representative of the United States mixing with uh, sort of an academic culture here in another country. But uh, you could tell me a little more about your own background. Well, to follow up on that point, I think the role of the president, especially at an American university uh, in one of these countries, is to ensure that American best practices are being implemented in universities and serve as role models for others. Uh, We currently have Department of State grants from the United States And the purpose is that AUK um, adopts, adapts American best practices and then disseminates them to other universities in Kurdistan and throughout Iraq. Uh, So we become like a soft power uh, for the United States by representing many of these American Um, ethical, socially responsible, holistic educational, liberal education standards and expectations uh, and customize them to make them acceptable and work with the Ministry of Education, Ministry of Higher Education in order to impact change uh, across Kurdistan and Iraq. And one thing, you just graduated your fourth class, am I correct? Correct. Yeah. Uh, you're pursuing currently accreditation. If you could explain to me, uh, just in layman's terms, what accreditation would mean to this university and what it would do for the students here. So AUK is currently pursuing uh, accreditation with the New England uh, Commission of Higher Education. It's one of the uh, U.S. federal recognized accreditation bodies. Um, And the reason why we're doing it Uh, is that, well, it's multifold. Uh, It it will give AUK credibility uh, on the international market as we try to become not just a regional university, but also an international university. But accreditation allows us 
to implement many of these standards of excellence uh, that are required in the United States. Uh, so they, for NECHI, there are nine standards. There are hundreds of substandards that deal with the design of academic programs, policies, procedures, operations, uh, budgeting, uh, transparency, mm -hmm. uh, integrity, and the administration of the institution. And these standards guide us to the development of policies and procedures that will make the university better. It does improve the university. Uh, in terms of benefit uh, to the faculty and the staff and the students, uh, it allows for greater mobility. So within our current grants from the Department of State, we're working with several U.S. universities, uh, James Madison, uh, Wayne State University, University of Florida, and also Middle Tennessee uh, State University. And accreditation puts us on par uh, with those universities. So they will recognize AUK degrees. So a student can do a two plus two agreement with Wayne State. A student can come here as an undergraduate and then to get a master's, not just at those universities, but any university in the United States. So it gives us that equivalency. It also helps our faculty as they look for people to collaborate on research and development projects. It also helps our students, uh, as I said, degree credibility and degree transfer. Uh, and it also helps the institution in regard to applying for various grants because we'll have that added credibility as a U.S. accredited institution. One of the universities you just mentioned was Middle Tennessee. Could you explain why that would be a university that would be important to uh, connecting with? Well, of course, we picked Tennessee because <laughs> yeah. of the large Kurdish population. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so that's why they were included in the grant. Uh, they obviously have a tremendous amount invested in Kurdistan uh, and want to see Kurdistan prosper. Uh, so that's also true with Gainesville, Florida, mm -hmm. uh, because Gainesville has Dehok as a sister city. Uh, so these relationships are very important for students from Tennessee coming to AUK for summer 2023 to learn about Kurdish culture and society and also do tours to learn about Kurdish archaeology. Uh, so there are certain important populations that are heavily invested, so that would be a very good uh, relationship for our students to go there as well as their students to come here. The mutual understanding through education. And to talk about sort of the generational trend of pursuing education outside of Kurdistan, AUK obviously is, is, is hoping to contribute to that more with accreditation, uh, but I want to talk about the importance also of AUK giving back to Kurdistan, making sure yeah. that students who study here don't necessarily just go away and, and, and never come back here, but give something back to uh, the uh, KRI. At this point, uh, AUK only offers bachelor degrees. Uh, so after a student finishes at AUK, they want to continue their education. They want to go to Europe, or they want to go to the United States, or somewhere else around the world. So obviously, AUK's credentials, uh, we are already recognized in Germany. Uh, they recognize our degrees, so students can use our degrees in order to get a master's uh, in Germany. Uh, it obviously helps. 
uh, students these days, or graduates or alumni, professionals these days, need to be very aware of the global marketplace and global standards. So it is very important for a student to have that international experience. Bachelors at the age of 17, 18, it may be a little early uh, for someone to go abroad for education, but by the time they're ready for a master's, it would be very understandable, very easy, very um, important for them to look at other types of classrooms and see other types of professors and take internships in other countries and co-op experiences and work in another country. Then, of course, we expect them to return to give back to Kurdistan. So therefore, um, we want to foster the sense of responsibility to Kurdistan. And that narrative is a part of our mission, it's a part of our vision, it's a part of all the work we do with the KRG, uh, that an educational institution cannot be the ivory tower uh, that it was thought to have been in the 20th century. Mm -hmm a educational institution in the 21st century needs to have an impact, needs to contribute. So we do just as much internally within this building as we do externally. So whether it is providing English, English language courses for five-year-olds or 10-year-olds, whether we are doing capacity building workshops uh, for the municipalities, for the governorates, or for the ministries in Erbil. Uh, whether we are working, uh, I'm in charge of the, um, the K through 19 National Task Force on Education. Uh, how can we help to improve the whole system from kindergarten all the way through to higher education? Uh, that is what a university needs to do. Uh, we are in our second year of our nursing program. It will have a ripple effect throughout the whole health sector as we redefine the role of nurses, the job description of nurses in Kurdistan. So that's what a university is supposed to be doing. And we openly accept that role, that responsibility, working with the ministries, uh, working with the directorates, uh, working with the governorates, in order to move Kurdistan and the larger Iraq forward. It's interesting because you list all of these things, but you still don't see your role as diplomatic. It sounds very diplomatic to me. I don't see it as diplomatic, <laughs> maybe because of that political aspect, mm -hmm. because there is a tendency in academia to speak in a very conceptual manner and to always have that 30,000 foot view and talk about the philosophy of education, the philosophy of healthcare, the philosophy of public administration. That doesn't work. That type of diplomatic speech doesn't work. It doesn't change anything. Mm -hmm. So again, it has to be a more hands-on, operational, managerial approach to national initiatives that you have to have a strategic plan. You have to an operational map of the strategic plan with all the action items, with targets and, be and benchmarks and assessment mechanisms and outcomes assessment. And that is what is lacking in Kurdistan.
You know, there are very few entities have strategic plans, have operational maps on their websites, open for public view. It's a, you have to have an operational mindset as a manager, as a leader, and not the conceptual figurehead uh, that simply talks on an abstract level, especially in a country like Iraq and in Kurdistan, things must get done. And the conversation remaining on a conversational level never results in action. So it has to be a completely different mindset. And to speak about sort of uh, implementing things on a more uh, pragmatic operational level, one of the things we discussed before uh, we sat down here was uh, your, you just got approval to open up a, not an SOJC exactly, but a studio and a, and a media center. Um, I'm from the University of Oregon, uh, and I graduated in 2017. Uh, it was the year Trump was elected, and suddenly freedom of speech on campus became a very important thing. Uh, and speech on campus in general has always been a long-running debate. It's a long tradition on American universities to be a cultural touchstone for the next generation. Obviously, there are differences between the freedom of speech here and the freedom of speech in the United States for universities there. I want you to speak about the importance of allowing students uh, to explore and, and, and discuss their own ideas. And, and do you believe from, <laughs> from a 30,000 feet up philosophical perspective, is there a limit uh, to the kind of uh, political discourse or discussion that can happen on a campus here? Following the liberal arts American educational model, and the general education programs that are part of American education. What I can do is give the students, ensure that they have, through their classroom learning, a level of proficiency in critical thinking, problem solving, innovation, and information literacy. I have to give them the tools that are necessary for them to make responsible decisions all around the world, doesn't matter what, what, what uh, country. And I don't see the situation being any different here than it is in the United States. There's so much misinformation and so much fake in the social media, in the news, everything is biased, that all of these harmful influences are con constantly permeating our media culture, what we see, what we hear on a daily basis. So we have to give students the ability to think for themselves and ensure that they understand the concept of things like we, we just talked about, you know, working with the government and moving the country forward, mm -hmm. data-driven decision-making. You know, what are your sources? What are, are they primary sources? Are they secondary sources? Are the sources legitimate? So how do you draw a conclusion from the empirical method, scientific reasoning, quantitative reasoning? If we give students those tools, then they can be responsible themselves. And the importance of peer review. Yes. yes. So I don't have to guide them in terms of 
these topics, yes, these topics, no, I would never want to get into that conversation. But I have to make sure that when they graduate from AUK, they are responsible, mature individuals who can make logical, rational decisions based on, the based on their assessment of the information in their particular environment. And if they have this responsible mindset, then they will move in the right direction. To bring it back to what we were talking about with this library, it's a very strange library we're sitting in. Uh, <laughs> we've got uh, uh, all different kinds of books here. We've got some, uh, got some Margaret Atwood. We've got Dan Brown. Again, some more Dan Brown. Um, this is a library set up for someone who's learning English, I would say. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. The books are, the printed books we have on the shelves are for uh, people learning English yeah. because not only do we teach English as uh, in order to get the English language proficiency up to the point where they can begin their academic courses, but we also teach English classes to children, teens, and adults. Mm -hmm. Can you speak to the importance of uh, implementing English-based learning here and in Kurdistan in general, and also the trend of the next generation of Kurdistan preferring to learn English maybe even more so than, for example, Arabic, even though we are in Iraq? Well, I have to say, one of the things I was very surprised about is that there's quite a bit of English language instruction in all the universities here, even within the state universities. That there's certain disciplines such as medicine and nursing that are only taught in English in Kurdistan, regardless of the institution. So I think there is a recognition that English is the international language. And many of the, we talked about that, pe that students need to be very well informed. Uh, they need to read a, a variety of resources in order to develop their opinions and their attitudes. And because very little is written in Kurdish in terms of textbooks and in terms of world knowledge, that uh, English is a very important access route uh, to knowledge uh, in the 21st century. And as I said before, as many of our students do want to have an international experience uh, as they continue on their educational path and their professional development, um, even if you go to Germany or many countries in Europe, uh, many master's programs are in English. So English is the pathway. So I think everyone understands it. Uh, we obviously have to work on English language instruction in K through 12. It is lagging behind and not giving the students the skills they need. Uh, that's why universities have to have various English language centers in order to help students gain a level of fluency uh, at the onset. Uh, but um, English is an easy sell. Uh, they all recognize yeah. uh, the necessity. Do you think that the emphasis on, you know, the easy sell of English, being it, it's the number one language of commerce in the world, do you think that negatively affects, uh, especially with a culture with such a long history of diaspora, the importance of Kurdish for the next generation? Before coming to Kurdistan, I was in Armenia for five years. Mm -hmm. And it's a very similar situation where it's a nation of a very unique language that is not shared in other countries, only amongst the diasporan communities. And it's very clear 
that if you lose your language, you lose your sense of self. Mm -hmm. And it's extremely important that Kurdish be maintained as a scholarly language, as an academic language, as a literary language, as an arts language, as a language of daily conversation. Uh, that is a necessity uh, because you lose much more uh, than just, uh, uh, you know, vocabulary uh, when a country shifts uh, to a more global language. So even in the new draft law uh, for education uh, that is currently being considered, uh, there is a commitment to maintaining K-12 education in a variety of languages in order to ensure the continuity of ethnic identities in Kurdistan. So we've discussed uh, uh, your K through 19 initiative. We've discussed uh, the media center as well. I was wondering, are there what else are you trying to develop in the future here? I think it's extremely important in order to help the economy grow and to help Kurdistan reach its vision 2030 that we infuse across the entire curriculum issues of innovation, startup, entrepreneurship. It doesn't matter what field, whether it's engineering or computer science or um, nursing or healthcare, everyone needs to understand how to start your own business, how to be innovative, how to be creative, how to conceptualize a concept or an idea or a business and work it all the way through with a business plan, uh, with your marketing strategies, uh, to do your feasibility studies in order to realize your dreams. Kurdistan has a very underdeveloped private sector and it is only through these types of initiatives that the private sector will grow the Kurdistan economy will grow and this will become a prosperous nation in the generations to come. So I think that is essential uh, to be woven throughout all conversations that we have uh, at the university as well as on the professional and governmental levels. Well, Dr. Rhodes, thank you so, so much. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure. I appreciate it. Thanks to Dr. Randall Rhodes for having me and the Kurdistan in team as his guests at his university. And thank you for listening. Inside Kurdistan is brought to you by the Kurdistan Information Network. And if you want to check us out, visit kurdistanin.net. And to reach out with any questions or comments, send us an email at info at kurdistanin.net. Thanks again. I've been Aaron Weintraub, and this has been Inside Kurdistan.